for me, you know, I started looking at the, it's not plausible. Here's, here, so the two things that happened, of course, when I was bringing this up, you always have the folks that are like, but weren't there happy slaves? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, yeah, well, let me think. Let me think. Because we got a few now. <laughs> you, but, but you brainwashed them to there you go. your definition is happiness based off of your standards. Exactly. So, but, but you have, we have folks, you know, that, um, and I'm really, really clear about the nature of this injury. But I, I look at this and I, and I think to myself, you have all of these black folks through all of these generations that have been traumatized, you know, and severely traumatized, not once, lifetimes of trauma. And there was never a healing. Mm. There was never an acknowledgement of the assault. There was never an acknowledgement that there was injury wow. in any one of them. There the, was a denial. Total denial. <laughs> but, but think about it, the incredible resilience and power of a people to never, ever, never acknowledge that injury. And at the same time, in the midst of it, the assault to still rise, it's phenomenal. Indeed. We are and I've expressed this endlessly that to be black and beautiful in this world means nothing unless you're black and powerful. That yeah. we cannot be black and proud and niggas too. White folks are planning for three generations and we're planning for Saturday night. The goal for us is to win, not to look like we're winning. I would rather carry a plastic bag with $5,000 in it than to carry a $5,000 Louis Vuitton bag with $100 in it. You just looking like you're winning. You ain't winning. Louis Vuitton is winning. Nike's winning. Armani is winning. Gucci's winning. Now I know why we do these things. There's a long his history of helping ourselves to assuage the less than psychological holocaust that we have gone through. The worst in the history of humankind. But at this moment in time, we need to get a grip on it. It is interesting to me that rich, the rich stay rich by pretending to be poor, uh, and the poor stay poor by pretending to be rich. And if we do not fix this level of financial illiteracy, lots of reasons why we are at the bottom of every single economic statistic that matters in America, lots of socio-civic uh, Holocaust reasons that we we are still, after 400 years, at the bottom of all of these statistics. But a warning shot, a second warning shot, has been fired by the white establishment in the 2017 April report from the Institute of Policy Studies, um, the economic state of Black America, the concluding statement was by 2053, 10 years after the majority becomes the minority, if nothing changes among African-American households, the household median wealth in America will be zero. That was buttressed by a 2018 headline article on the front page of the Boston Globe um, in December that made national headlines and made the national news. It... Uh, was a very, very disturbing headline. And it began with words to this effect, this is no joke. 
the, the, the household median wealth of black Bostonians is $8, $8. So black Bostonians are way ahead of the 2053 projection. Well, right now, when I, look, when I look, at, look at the TV and watch all that movement by, uh, by uh, <clears throat> what's it called, Black Lives Matter, it, it reminds me so much of uh, what's happened so many times in the past. It happened in the 1860s after the Civil War, and it began to happen again at the end of World War II, when, the, when, we, when black folks started moving away from blackness. And so in 1935 and 36, they started talking about, instead of talking about black issues, uh, the black uh, ministers, the black civil rights organizations, and the black newspaper says, get away from blackness, stop talking about blackness, and start talking about universality. And, uh, and they, so after the 19, late 1930s and moving into the 1940s, uh, black folk adopted that philosophy saying, we're going to go for universality. Universality means social integration. That's what that was. Go for social integration so we can get along with everybody, try and make ourselves acceptable to everybody. And so, and, uh, and therefore, so by the time Martin Luther King came aboard and also in the black civil rights movement, that's what killed the black civil rights movement. All of a sudden, all these people came together to try to, um, to, uh, under the, under, because, because of the mistreatment of blacks in the South. And, uh, and they saw, probably wanted, but, but the black leadership was basically, some of them were just totally incompetent. In other words, politically naive. They want to talk about universality. So when I look at what's happening right now in the streets, it reminds me so much because the issues that they're, that they're focusing on, again, are very broad, ambiguous issues. They're not, they're not focused. They use the title Black Lives Matter, but the issues they're talking about is just too damn broad. And they, even though I compliment them and, I'm, and I appreciate them and I respect them, and I'm glad they're out there raising cane, but by the same token, they're not on task. They're not on point. And that's, what, and that's the frightening point, just like in the civil rights movement. I, I was. I, I just wrote down just this morning a few points. What they're what they're what they're pushing. They're pushing things that they want to push gender issues. They're pushing poverty issues. They're they're pushing talking about people of color. They're talking about, for instance, they want police they want police brutality now become police reform, and what they want is a, a again an ambiguous issue. What is police reform? Give me a pound of that. How do you measure? What is police reform? What are you going to do? And uh, that is so significant that it be that it be specifically applicable to black people. How, why would police reform be so ap applicable to black folk? Uh, and they said, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna focus on uh, uh, another thing is uh, uh, racial equality." And I said, "I said, what is racial equality? How do you measure that?" So again, they get into all these very broad, ambiguous issues. They're not very focused and very specific. Police reform and all this kind of stuff. Uh, they, and they said, well, we'll change police reform. We're going to eradicate and eliminate the police budget and get rid of the police officers and come up with a new organization which we'll call public safety organization. What in the world is that? I mean, how does that relate to black folk? When the real issue goes back to the, goes back to the Constitution, to the Second Amendment, that, that's, what the real, that's what the real police thing is. The first police in the nation came out of slavery. And they had, they had plantation police. They had, actually had badges. They called them pattern rollers. Those are the people that, that walked the streets and paroled the streets and had authority to whip people, black folks' ass the time they caught them off without authority off a plantation or with, and didn't have white permission to be moving around in the streets or chase them down and arrest them. And they could kill them and lynch them and do whatever they wanted to. They were called plantation police. That started in South Carolina, spread all over the country. And so 
the, the issue is as long as you got the Second Amendment that authorized every white person to belong to to belong to the to the to the, to the what's called the Patty Rollers, which means every white person, white man, every white man between 18 and 45 was mandated was mandated to join a Patty Roller, which all now called National Guard, to join those. And they were, and they were, that's, that's where that came from, the National Guard that, that, that uh, Trump is calling out. He's calling out the National Guard by the United States because that's a, that came out of, the third, out of the Constitution, out of the Second Amendment. It says we got to have somebody out here. Now, what was, the, what was the purpose of that, of those patty rollers in the 13th and the, the Second Amendment? It was to whip black folks ass and catch them in, in violation of anything and do anything they wanted to them. And then the white folks, again, at the same time they, they set up the Second Amendment, Every, that every white person could carry a gun, had to carry a gun when he joined the paddy rollers. <laughs> and then to watch the streets for black folk. And uh, the black folk on the same time were, were, could not carry a weapon at, under any circumstance. They couldn't carry a knife, a club, a hatchet, or a gun. And that was a New York Times bestseller. And um, I was teaching a lot of people about dating and relationships. Mm -hmm. And I, I noticed that race would always come up when talking about relationships. Mm -hmm. Race and relationships kind of go hand in hand. We have to understand that marriage in this country, the reason why we needed to get marriage licenses was because they didn't want black people to get wealth by intermarrying people. Really? Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Before um, marriage licenses, people would just have to get a religious certificate to get married. Mm -hmm. But they didn't want interracial couples to pop off because the wealth from that would trickle into the black community. Mm. So they stopped that by making people get licenses. So we have to understand how race and relationships go hand in hand. And I want to... So, so, so if you wanted an interracial relationship back then, you would have to go and apply for it. And if they seen that you were black and white, they'd be like, no, they're no, right. Basically, that's what it was before mm. the 1920s. Because um, marriage is about business right. at the end of the day. That's very and true. Just like y'all see with um, Amon and David Boy. David Boyd just died, and a lot of people are tripping about her getting all that money. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are tripping on that because they never want to get um, generational wealth passed down to the black community. That's always been a big thing in racist society. So you think if David was married to a white woman, it wouldn't be? Oh, well, they good. wouldn't even yeah. tripped on that. They wouldn't yeah. tripped on that at all. But yeah, that was the reason why they needed marriage licenses, and that's the reason why interracial relationships were looked down upon. So that's what made you want to do Hidden Colors because of the race and relationship. Yeah, thing. because race kept coming up, and and we look at systematic racism it dominates all areas of activity when we look at it there are nine areas of activity and it's all dominated by racism sex labor law war politics everything mm -hmm. what's the other one sex labor law, law war, war politics um religion and what's the other one? education maybe yeah education okay and um, um the judicial system all of it is dominated by race mm -hmm. so i did the hidden color series because at the time we we started filming in 2010 and we kept complaining about the images of us in media. There were movies like Precious that was out, showing us in a negative light. African-American horror movie. Yeah, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> the, the way we were projected in that movie was horrible. You had movies like The Blind Side. All of these movies where black people are in these subservient positions. And whenever you have documentary films about black history, it's regulated to civil rights and slavery. Absolutely. They play for black people in the 1960s called the benign neglect policy. This was started by the Nixon administration benign neglect, meaning during the 1960s, there were a lot of riots. Black people were rising up mm -hmm. and they had something called the Kerner Commission because they wanted to figure out why black people doing all this rioting out here. And they found out that the reason for the riots is because of white racism. And the Kerner Commission said, okay, yeah, we, we know it's racism. We've always been racist, but what's the problem? Why are they acting out now? 
and they found out that black people were upset because the government kept promising black people things after the civil rights movement and they knew they weren't going to commit to it or do anything so black people were getting upset because the promises were not being honored mm -hmm. so they came up with a, a position called benign neglect meaning they will stop telling black people they're going to give them stuff just act like black people don't exist and don't use the word black or african-american use vague ambiguous terms like minority right. so Whenever, so now it's urban and so it, urban exactly. Uh, so now even today, when you see Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, the minute you say, "Hey, what are you going to do for black people?" They say, "Well, we're going to do something for minorities. Well, we're going to do something for the the poor. We're going to do something for the youth. We're going to do something for people of color." So they never really commit to black people. So we got to stop voting for people if they're not going to commit to us specifically. But you're saying don't vote because you know I'm saying do people not die vote. for the right to vote. See, that's the thing, black people. We got this thing where we vote out of tradition and fear. We vote because granny voted. We voted because my great-grandmama voted. We voted because my great-uncle died. Or we voted because we're afraid that Donald Trump is going to win. See, we can't vote out of fear and tradition. We got to be more practical and vote and have an economic base to codify that vote because voting without an economic base is useless. Mm -hmm. The Asian community, they have the lowest voter turnout, but highest per capita of wealth, and this is why they can get stuff done politically that we can't get done. How can you, how, well, two things, how mm -hmm. can you complain if you're not, you know, trying to be a part of the solution to change process, things? Right. And number two, what's the other option other now, than voting? See, and what you just said is the opposite. See, if you vote for somebody like Barack Obama and he doesn't do anything for you, you can't complain. You voted for him. Got that? Mm -hmm. But if you don't vote for him, you can say, hey, man, I didn't vote for you, and you're not really doing them what you're supposed to do. Or you can, can vote, you can or, or you can vote and, and keep the fire in his ass. But the thing is, that's the thing. People throw that in our faces. Because when we complain about so-called the Democrats, because I don't believe in the Democrats or Republicans, they're just the, they work together. They work hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So when you complain about the Republicans, they'll say, well, the Democrats didn't do anything for you. And that's true. And a lot of black folks won't criti criticize the Democrats. So when you vote for people, they'll throw it in your face. Well, if I'm so bad, why did you vote for me? But I feel like if, if we don't vote, and I'm saying the African-American community, right. the minorities, if we don't vote, then you look up and then we have a president named Donald Trump because our vote is so powerful. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you this, man. What will Donald Trump do and what's going to happen to black society that's not already happening under Obama? I think it'll be worse. I yeah, think how yeah. so? I, how how because, can it get worse than no, he getting I, shot I, and I with impunity? How? Because, because I, I see a lot of uh, more... More uh, overt racism now. It's with, overt with now. Trump. No, it's overt now. But it's I, think, I, think, I think it'll get worse. And I think, with inter I think internationally, a lot of people do not like Donald Trump at all. And I think that would. Yeah, they look at America as a joke. And, yeah. and, and contrary to popular position. belief, they, everybody outside of the country looks at us as America, not Black America, White America. It's America, brother. It's bad for us now. This, black neighborhoods are getting gentrified. Black people are funneled into basically concentration camps called housing projects. We're funneled into the prison system. We're getting shot with impunity now. We keep saying, well, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It is worse. So we got to start using our political clout and say, hey, look, I'm not going to vote for these people unless they do something for us specifically. And giving them our vote without requiring any anything that's not going to motivate them to do anything. So what's the solution other than voting? So you're um, saying our voices don't matter unless we have an economic you gotta base? You've got to have an economic base. It's the money that counts. This is why different groups, they put super PACs out there to fund the Hillary Clintons, to fund the Bernie Sanders, and this is why they get stuff done. For example, the Hispanic community. 
Now, they got packs that they will get their money together and give it to a Bernie and a Hillary. That's why Bernie and Hillary will do stuff specifically for the Hispanic community. They've offered jobs specifically for the Hispanic community. The gay community will get their money together and give eight, nine, ten million dollars to a politician. So this is why they will put a gay rights agenda on the map. We black folks, we don't put no money together. We just go out there with signs and chanting and say, hey, vote for us because we black and we like you. We got to stop that and we got to change our game. Malcolm X uh, with the ballot to the bullet. He said that African-Americans should exercise their right to vote. Mm -hmm. But if their demands aren't met, then they shouldn't be afraid to pick up a gun and demand. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, you know, I, I'm kind of torn with that. Well, the, the other alternative is we have our own independent um, um, political party. That's another thing. We form our own party and we use that as leverage. So now if the Republicans or the Democrats, they want something from us, that independent party, they're going to have to bring something to the table. It's just that simple. We just can't keep whoring ourselves out just because Hillary knows how to do the naming. Who always gives us that. But um, self-accountability versus validation. And that that's what we're dealing with in our communities. And um, a lot of our brothers don't want to be, they, they don't want to be accountable to themselves, but they worry about what someone else thinks about them. See, when, you, when you're accountable to yourself because you only know you, you understand what I'm saying? You know what you're capable of. You know who you are in the dark. You know when no one else is there who you are. So when right. you start to hold yourself accountable way more than you care about what someone else thinks about you, then that's when you enter into real manhood. Because when you're worried about somebody else's validation, then your reputation matters more to you about what somebody else thinks rather than what you know. And that's what a lot of us, as especially in our, our younger ages, that's what we fall victim to. You know, like you said, the dude, dude said, oh, they're clowning you because he called you a pussy. And, and you, before he called you a pussy, you knew he wasn't a pussy. You know what I'm saying? You didn't have to go tell mm -hmm. You didn't have to go. You didn't have to even ask, answer that question. You know what I'm saying? You didn't have to do anything because you, you when you're holding yourself accountable, then you're like, did he say anything of validity? Oh, I don't even have to answer that because, you know, I'm definitely not a pussy. I can, you didn't even have to, but you felt to save faith and be validated amongst those people who rather you went to the box or anything was going to still live their life, you felt like that had you had to do something to get some level of validation. And that's what us, that's what we have to do. We have to tell our young brothers and sisters that your self-accountability, your self-integrity is way bigger than your validation by people who have no value in your life. Most of the people that you're trying to validate yourself with have no value. They can't add anything to your life. You probably have never see them again. If somebody, if you arguing and yo, don't disrespect me in front of people. These people I'll never see again. You know what I'm saying? Like I, when I was in prison, I'm like most of these people I would never talk to in the street. Not no disrespect, but I would never speak to you in the street. We don't have any commonalities. We don't have anything. So why do I care how you visualize me? As long as you don't do something to hurt me or hurt my family or stop me from grieving or stop my life, your your understanding of who I am, your vision of who I am has no validity to me. And when I'm walking and I'm dealing with my own self-accountability and my self-confidence and I'm moving in a manner that I am comfortable with, when I'm living according to my moral compass, when I'm never going outside my own moral compass, when I've created this moral compass that is in, entrenched in manhood, then I will uh -huh. move as such. So that's what I say to our young brothers and even our, our sisters. When you move in womanhood, you don't need somebody to validate your womanhood. You don't need a man to validate whether you're a woman. You don't need the the... the internet to validate you a woman. You don't need the vision of what they try to tell you beauty is to validate who you are. 
It's about mm -hmm. your own self accountability. If you feel beautiful, if you feel like a woman, if you're moving in strength, if you know somebody says, "Oh, you doing that for a man?" Oh no, you you want your you want your king to feel like a king, just like a king wants his queen to feel like a queen. So when we deal with those issues, when we start to deal with that self accountability and, and, and eliminate the validation, then we're gonna move on our natural course. <laughs>